Welcome to the Practical Enneagram. You're going to need a working knowledge of the Enneagram for this episode to be enjoyable or interesting. I got to have a conversation I've been wanting to have for about a year with a very experienced teacher called Leslie Hirschberger who draws from across a multitude of disciplines in her Enneagram work. I saw an interview Leslie had done where she seemed to take what I understood about each type's relationship with their centres, the Enneagram centres, and turned it on its head, which left me scratching mine a bit, frankly. What I now see is that Leslie's unique way of teaching the centres is actually the same teaching but looked at from a slightly different vantage point, one that I would describe as somatically informed. Arguably it muddies the water but if you can hold the idea that both the original teaching and Leslie's have truth then you're fine. For me Leslie's teaching is practical. I'm a four and you might not guess from how I behave that I was doing repressed and in fact it was this pattern that was one of the obstacles to me seeing myself in type 4. It's actually feeling that I struggle with and by feeling I mean felt sense, my felt sense of value, belonging and safety. That understanding is consistent with both the original teaching and Leslie's but you have to work a little harder to get at it with the original teaching and that might be the gift of Leslie's teaching. Anyway, I encourage you to try it for yourself and see. She has a course out, the three centres approach, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. Hope you enjoy. What brought me into the centres approach was I invited two people, one a heart type and one a body type. And we started to dig into it. And we came across some really compelling research from people who were working with people. Mm. One was a Benedictine nun named Suzanne Zercher, who was a spiritual director. And I had come across her material ages ago. And in my first forays into the Enneagram in the 90s, boy, oh boy, I went back to it and started digging into it based on what I knew about somatics and understanding neuroscience of what's happening in our bodies. My assumption was the heart types feel. That's the assumption. But in our work, all their energy was not in themselves. This is the image triad. The feelings there, you know, we call, we've always called them the feelings and I'm going to make some distinctions here is they're like sensors feeling others' feelings and then shape shifting in some way in order to make contact. Mm -hmm. And the experience is panic if there's a loss of connection. And so they start to shape shift and they leave themselves. In the meantime, I'm coaching body types. And they're having so many feelings. I could feelings feel like they'll overwhelm them. I would find body types used a lot of metaphorical language, right? Because Mm -hmm. all those feelings, it's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. And they feel, they walk into a room and they're sensing a room. It's not as much about, do you like me? But their attention is just kind of picking up what's going on in the room. So I want to make this distinction. That's a really important distinction when I talk about it. When I'm talking about feeling, feeling is instinctive. It's primitive. It rises from within. It's genuine. It's felt feeling in the moment, like heavy, tingly, sharp, dull, throbbing. Those are feelings. I'm talking about sensate feelings. Emotion is the response that's induced from an external survival trigger, often unconscious, and it primes the body to take some sort of action out there. Mm -hmm. Emotions not only make us feel something, they make us feel like doing something. And if you're a heart type out there, the word I use for doing, it's called sentiment doing. And what that is, it's constructed, 
it's superficial. It's a response. It's acted out. It's staged. That's what I was noticing in session. If I brought the heart type into the somatic feeling before we made connection, I could feel their anxiety because they, if I'm having them close their eyes, they can't see me. They can't mm-hmm. see how I, how it's landing with me. Mm-hmm. I feel their anxiousness. They're opening their eyes. They're checking it out. Am I doing this? You know, they're wanting the connection. Mm-hmm. And Suzanne Zercher would say she would have heart types sit next to her after she'd been working with them for a while. So they couldn't monitor their responses. And the um, just because we've given heart types and a lot of attention, and undoubtedly that's because I'm a heart type here. But what can we um the 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 sort of sequence that you that you teach regarding the the head triad and the body triad is also different. So you've already meant touched on the body triad is feeling first. Yes, when, when in coaching the body center, I notice that there's just a lot of feelings as they mm. as they come in but you don't always see them on the outside, all right? It was more through conversations and them sharing their exteriors because they have a protective um, armor. They tend to have a protective armor around them. What's it protecting? Well, the eight that did the, redid the research, she said, what do you think's in there? A whole lot of feeling. <laughs> There's a lot going on. And it, it feels it's like our bodies are that frontline receiver of experience. What their dominant emotion is anger. So if we said the heart types is panic at loss of connection for the body types, it's anger and it's anger that things aren't the way I think they should be. I have my instinctive feeling and I think it should be this way. The anger though is sits on top of sadness. It sits on top Mm -hmm. of fear. Mm -hmm. I remember my husband's a body type and I remember somebody made fun of my, when my daughter was four and they pushed her down and made fun of her drawing mm. and I, my heart's hurting. I'm her mom. She comes in, she's crying. The kids may, pushed her drawing in the mud. And my husband is in, in his body center is just this fury comes up. Like, where are the, and I, you know, I had to say, honey, there's, there's children are four, they're four <laughs> years old, <laughs> but it's just this. And that's why it, it'll look like action, but it's not the doing that we're talking about in order to get the pot, to get the mirroring I need, right? Mm. With those body types, it's that instinctive, you know, action mm. that way. So I want those distinctions are very important. So when working with body types, they would, I, I found as I started to explore, like what's underneath all of this defensive structure and the anger, well, there's a lot of, of tenderness, a lot of vulnerability, there's sadness. There's sadness sometimes that feels like it's going to overwhelm them. They have a lot of undigested emotion. You know, it's almost like they have a strong sense of something. They kind of don't know what to, it just kind of sits there in their body. And, and you know, they might run into someone that reminds them of something of the past that their body like picks up. Like, it's kind of like when you walk past a scary a house and there's a dog that jumps out at you, you have that muscle memory. Body types, I would see they had, would have these undigested experiences. That's why their buried function is perceiving. So that it was easy for them to come into their bodies, you know, much easier for them. Not always. If there's trauma, it's very, very different. So I want, there's a lot of distinctions there, <clears throat> but I found they, they were a little bit less resistant. Sometimes like, what are we doing this for? You know, what's the, what's the, what's the important of this, but it wasn't that kind of panic I would see in the heart center. And so they start to feel their bodies. And what we needed was we needed to make that kind of heart connection of, you know, just some compassion for them, a mirroring of their story where they could start to open up and see another view. Sometimes that would mean a doing of a connection where they 
ask somebody, they talk with somebody, they make that doing connection that heart types tend to do automatically, um, where they could start widening their perceiving lens because the heart type or body types can get very stubborn about mm-hmm. their point of view. And then for the head types, the dominant function, that's no different, is yeah. perceiving, yeah. right? That's not different. The secondary function is is the feeling, but head mm-hmm. types typically feel actually some blessed relief when I bring them into their bodies. If there's not mm-hmm. a lot of trauma, you know, that is not my core work. I've, I've taken trainings and mm-hmm. so I understand trauma, but I'm not a therapist. So I mm-hmm. typically refer if somebody comes with trauma, sometimes people want to work with me because they've done a lot of therapeutic work and they want to focus on the Enneagram. But typically I refer them to a trauma trained therapist. Um, and somatic therapist. For the head types, overall, feel coming into their body feels like, for particularly sixes, sevens, it feels like a relief. Or sometimes for fives, it makes them anxious, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a lot of feeling. And then their buried function is doing because mm-hmm. their thinking replaces doing. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I am grateful for you for spelling those out. Can you speak to more broadly of the importance of free center presence in a personal or spiritual transformation path? Yeah, absolutely. So first you want to make the distinction between the spiritual centers Mm -hmm. and the psychological centers. The psychological centers have to do for like if the head center, it looks Mm -hmm. for, classifies, analyzes, compares, and contracts, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, their system, the head, the head type system feels overwhelmed by emotions and doing. The heart center and the psychological centers where we're wanting to make that contact picks up clues from the feeling states of others and mirrors them back. That's those mirror neurons that we read about. We all have that center, mm-hmm. right? The heart picks up clues and springs to action to respond in some way, to make mm-hmm. that connection. For the body center, life hits us hard. It's like we're guided, you know, you're guided by sensate experience. It's mm. like the, the, the play pain pleasure continuum, like mm. dislike, attract, repulse, uh, mm. pleasure, pain in the butt. And those feelings for, for the body types get translated into judgment. I like it. I don't like it right, wrong. Those centers we all have in, the, in us. Yes. So what I would say is the practice is is the shift to three-centered presence comes with some sort of contemplative practice where mm-hmm. we understand the structure of the three psychological centers. Mm-hmm. We have these deep neurological tracks in our brain so we can have a handle on reality and live mm-hmm. in the horizontal world. The inner observer can witness the arising of these three centers, not just the observation of thoughts, observation of feelings in the body and Mm -hmm. how emotions come and go those three centers that's the first step contemplative practice the second is to cultivate the capacity to relax inward Mm -hmm. through some sort of receptive practice meditation contemplative prayer somatics tai chi sometimes yoga where we're relaxing inward and the three Mm -hmm. spiritual centers Mm -hmm. are that received knowing then you start to relax. So I would say in the head, it's intuition. When the mind is settled, free from clutter, knowing is received. Coaching, that can happen. In the heart, I'm fully present to others as they are to themselves. And in in me, it's both. Because it's a field of, it's a relational field. And it happens in to me on the narrative panels in good therapy, good spiritual direction, coaching, contemplative listening. And I would say the body three-centered receive knowing it's that 
great Gurdjieff called it the great energetic accumulator of the the life force free from contraction. It's the let go and let God or let go and let the, you know, just, it's the let go. And so then, so to, so to me in contemplative practice, it begins for three centered mm-hmm. of grounding, particularly as a head type. It's very important for me to ground myself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my system is so amped up, particularly if I've been reading and studying a lot um, or online a lot, it is to do some movement. Music is very helpful for me. It gets me, it's the doing. It gets me out of the head. I start to move my body. I can sit and ground in my practice, you know, drop into the heart. I do my, you know, mantra in the heart. Start to settle the mind. It's a three-centered practice. And you don't sit in the practice saying, okay, I'm going to do my three sets. It just happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say when working with clients, you start to just notice where where's the dominant center? How's it operating right now? Heart center coaches tend to want to give their clients a good product. I'm working with a four right now. It's just like I want, he's really good at that end product. I mean, the only reason I have a course out right now mm-hmm. is because a four helped me get push it over the finish line. She oh, kept yeah. to hear that. And then the body center was just like, okay, I need these these videos in order. And, and you need to, you know, it's just so just getting in. And, and he walks out and says, oh my God, I love those panels. Just I'm get picking up the impressions of those panels. Those were amazing, you know, that kind of thing. So I needed those two other centers to make it happen. Otherwise it would still be. In- well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. So you, you started to touch on it towards the end of your teaching there, but can you share with us how your personal practices around free center presence have evolved over time? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think I first want to go to like, I'll go to the idealization, you know, I'm, a, I'm part of the idealization triad, one, four, seven, there's a teaching in the Enneagram called the Enneagram of Harmony, and I'm part of the idealization triad. So here's what it looked like at the beginning, Res. I have to be like Ken Wilber. I have to, you know, be in that Samadhi experience. And that's the only, you know, it's just, you got to get to the mountaintop, baby. Mm-hmm. I have to be like Cynthia Bourgeau, who's really had a lot of influence on me. I have to, I have to be a hermit. You know, I have to really, what am I going to do? I've got this husband, I've got kids, I've got dogs, you know, I've got, I've got a life. What? <laughs> oh my God. You know? So there was a lot of high expectations on what the mm-hmm. practice should be this idealization. So I would sit there and just a lot of times feel like, you know, I would have good experiences and oftentimes it felt like a failure. And the failure for me was more when I went into integral, I did a course with integral life and, you know, comparing myself against the ideal, what my actual, you know, I love, I'm doing a thing with corporate, a corporate trading right now. And they love to talk about superpowers, <laughs> such a corporate word. Anyway, <laughs> And I realized my superpower is I live boots on the ground. That's why I'm I, people. I, I'm really accessible to people. I don't live this ideal hermit, hermetic life. I mean, Ken lives on you know, the 14th floor of a tall building. I mean, they're literally just that. I, you know, and I, I'm people. I'm taking integral theory and I'm seeing it on the ground. Mm-hmm. So my practice shifted from this idea in my head. I mean, I would say I was meditating. I was learning Vipassana practice, mostly from tapes and books and learning. But Helen Palmer was a fabulous teacher of meditation. Mm. Fabulous, fabulous teacher of meditation. And that was probably my my core teacher. Uh, But she was very much a head type. It was intuitive knowing in the head. I didn't really recognize that there could be a knowing in the body. Mm. So my practice started to really shift to movement. You know, more movement. 
um, more grounding, more going outside and leaning against a tree, feeling this knowing that comes from being in nature. I mean, that shifted. Really recognizing that presence with my clients was a, was huge. Mm. But in uh, you know my practice, one of my practices is centering prayer. Um, it is a attunement of the heart. Um, so that changed. I would say I don't sit in meditation as long as I used to. Mm-hmm. I, I idealize the perfect practice. I, uh, I want, you know, for me, it's good enough practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a conscious choice not to sit, to make yourself sit in meditation. But Yeah, it's not that there aren't times that I, I do, I mean, but I don't meditate as long as I used to. I would say that's the most significant difference. It's like my practice has comes into my life where I'm in a conflict with my husband. Mm-hmm. And I feel myself wanting to learn him a thing or two with all of my data, the Enneagram, Integral. It must be so tempting. I don't know how you avoid it. You know, and, and, if, you, and if you're a nine out there, just, just kind of reflect for a moment when someone learns you a thing or two, how wonderful that feels. <laughs> So the practice is to just sit back in my chair, breathe, ground, tune into him as he is to himself and see him be receptive to him as he is to himself. And I would say it's like 51% of the time I can do that. It's big. If I am doing my practice more diligently alone in the morning, that up to about 70%. So practical and also very fourth way, you know, using the material of daily life as a practice rather than doing it away on our sort of meditation cushion. Well, I think you've been generous enough of your time now, Leslie. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I, I just want to mark back to your what your initial words were. You start, that it resonated in you, and that's what I really encourage people to do is develop that self observation practice and bringing the three centers online. Mm-hmm. And if you, as you take, you know, if you take the centers approach, just check into how does this resonate in me? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to me, that's how the teaching evolves as we. You know, we share because who would have known 20 years ago all the work we know about somatics now? I know it's crazy, right? It's crazy, mm-hmm. and that's to me where we live on this planet mm-hmm. right now with each other. And, um, yeah, so. mm-hmm. thank you. How was that for you? I'd love to know whether you find resonance in the way Leslie teaches the centers. Integral people, look out for a bonus episode I'll be releasing. Leslie was kind enough to answer a few questions I hold about how the Enneagram and Integral collide. (laughs) 